Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. You know, when Pepper Rogers coached UCLA, he had one of those seasons that was quite bad, you can imagine. Recalling that season, he told a reporter, you know, my dog is about the only friend I have. But I told my wife that a man needs really two friends, so she bought me another dog. (laughs) (laughs) There's something about that, isn't it? I'm saddened when we say things like, dog, man's best friend. I wonder if that hurts the heart of God. I just wonder, because when he made all creation, he said it was good, but when he created man, he said it was very good. I just wonder when in relationships we get hurt and we settle for what is good rather than what God said was very good. That's why I like a series like this, talking about what it means to be a real friend. Listen to what Chuck Swindoll writes. Here's an observation he made. The neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit there is to the fellowship Christ wants to give his church. It is an imitation, of course, dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It's unshockable. It is self-governing, You can tell people secrets, and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And so, so many will seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. I want you to notice those words that I just read, God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. Dr. Gerald Mann of Perkins Theology in Dallas, Texas says it this way, we all want to be fully known and fully accepted. Could you imagine? Could you imagine coming to church and you could share absolutely everything and be as transparent as you are with God that nothing is hidden and you would be loved and accepted. Could you imagine? But that's not the case, is it? I don't know if you remember Cheers. It ran for 11 seasons and it was actually the highest rated show for those 11 seasons. It was a mishmash of characters, some of you might remember, that came into the bar every day. An ex-pro baseball player as their bartender named Sam. A know-it-all postman. His name was Cliff. A semi-unemployed accountant named Norm. An abusive cocktail waitress named Carla. I loved Carla. And a strong, independent female manager named Diane. But here's what made it popular when they began to understand what was really going on in the American culture. It was one word, it was acceptance. 
Despite each one's failings, frailties, and idiosyncrasies, they had this emotional bond and uninhibited acceptance of one another. Remember the theme song? Making your way in the world today takes everything you got, doesn't it? Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Would you agree? Wouldn't you like to just get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Imagine if the church would be that. Where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. Like one giant AA meeting. You know what I'm talking about? You with me? Like, like Chris, stand up. Everybody go, hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Tim, stand up. Come on. Everybody? Hi, hi Tim. Isn't that awesome? Come on, Reed, stand up. Hi, Reed. It's just awesome. Doesn't that just feel good? Imagine if that was church. Just the way God intended it. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> See, there it goes. Just, that was a great example, isn't it? Hi, Reed. One person. Hi, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But imagine friendships like, like Jesus and John, or David and Jonathan, Paul and Barnabas, or Ole and Sven. <laughs> don't you love those guys? I, I don't know if you heard the joke about Ole and Sven. They went into a barber shop and they were high-fiving each other and everybody else in the room, shouting and jumping up and down. The barber had to ask, what in the world is all the excitement about? Sven says, 51 days, 51 days, we did it in 51 days. Okay, says the barber, what did you do in 51 days? We put a puzzle together. <laughs> Barbara's like, what's so great about that? The box said three to five years. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it interesting that Oli and Sven are always, if you will, the butt of every joke. But you never hear a joke about just Sven or just Oli. It's always Oli and Sven. Despite of the world's interpretation of them, they still like being together as friends. Wouldn't that be cool? They obviously don't care about the reputation that they might have. They just find the joy of being together. I just love that. If you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And as you're going there, you might remember this when you watch a movie, the Warner Brothers. Their name is out there in so many places. Well, there were actually, if you will, five brothers that made up the Warner Brothers. And when Jack Warner was getting ready to die in 1960, he decided that he would sell everything that was left to him. And he sold the Warner Brothers, all of that it was about, for $640 million. 
That was back in the 60s, early 60s. Today, that would have been worth $5.3 billion. A reporter asked him, upon selling everything and preparing to die, how many friends do you have, Mr. Jack Warner? His response was sickening. He says, I don't have a single friend in the whole world. I just stop and think about how many people miss the incredible great gift that God gave each one of us in friendship. But we settle for so much less because we'd rather hold on to a hurt rather than build on God's hope and experience what God really wanted friends to be. And so Reed and I are just going to give you two simple characteristics of what a real friend looks like. But I thought I'd set it up with Paul's word to the church of Philippi. Here's what he says, Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to begin in the third verse. Here's what it says. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I just want you to think about that. For the friends that you call friends right now, every time do you think of them, do you give thanks to God? Like every time. Paul says every time. Can I tell you what that means in the original language? That means every time. <laughs> every time. I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the gospel about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do all about you, for you have a special place in my heart. I just love these words. You share with me special favor of God. Now watch what he says, both in my imprisonment. He's writing from prison. I, I could go on and on of things that I've, I've learned about what love really looks like. Hallmark did a thing one time where they decided to send cards to all of the inmates free of charge and let them write their mothers on Mother's Day. I think you've heard me share this before years ago. This is crazy, amazing, and sad. So they sent them cards, boxes of cards to prisons, and, and here's what's, here was what was wild, is they ran out of cards. Inmate after inmate took and wrote their mom and said, Happy Mother's Day. So they had this brilliant idea, we'd do the same for Father's Day, and they took truckloads of boxes and barely opened one. I just find that sad. Paul's writing from prison. I wonder how many of us would want to attach our name to Paul. He's in prison. But he writes and says, but even in my imprisonment, in the defending, confirming the truth of the good news, what's he say? You have a special favor in my heart. I think of you and just find incredible gratitude. You mean so much to me. He says this in verse 8, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. 
I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding of God. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Those are beautiful words. Beautiful words. Two characteristics. And I think the first one, Reed, is just an incredible example of it. And so Reed's going to come and speak to you in the first characteristic. First characteristic of a real friend is that they love. They what? I want us to read a verse together. It's from Proverbs 18. You'll see it on the screens. Would you read it with me? Here it goes. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you look at it, there's friend is mentioned twice. Unreliable friends, plural. Then it says, but there's a friend, singular, that stays closer than a brother. What's he doing here? Well, actually, Hebrew translation has two different translations for friend. The first one, friends, is a word that's called Rhea, R-E-A, and what it means is an acquaintance, like a neighbor, okay? All of us have neighbors, and I think we'd be safe to say that probably the majority of our neighbors are not our very, very closest friends. They're neighbors. They're casual friends. Those are the kind of friends we have on Facebook. And we say they're unreliable because of the fact that if you invited all your Facebook friends to come to an event, they might come, they might not. They're unreliable. They're unreliable friends. But there is a friend, singular. It's a different word. The word is Ahab, A-H-A-B, which is a root word meaning having affection for. It's it's almost an an intimacy that there is there. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jonathan and David. If you remember that when we talked about it, we said that Jonathan was the son of King Saul, the heir apparent, yet David had just killed who? Remember? Goliath. He just killed Goliath. So he could be seen as the enemy, but it isn't what happened. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18. And it came to pass that when Jonathan had made an end of speaking unto his dad, Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Think about that. He used the word knit. It's like a fabric that's being woven together that cannot be separated. It says, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. He loved him as himself. That's why one real friend is more valuable than a thousand casual friends. Always, always. And one of the things that we talk about huge and celebrate here is life groups. Because of the fact that when you're in rows like this, you'll have some relationships. But to be honest, let's be honest, most of them will be casual. But when you're in a circle, in a life group, you'll have intimate friends. Ones that you can now go to the next level with. But there's three ingredients of real love. Let's look at those real quickly. Here's an ingredient. They are honest. They're what? Proverbs 24 says it this way, an honest answer is the sign of true friendship. You know, I I want friends that shoot straight with me, not just shoot at me. You ever had those kind of friends that just shoot at you? And I mean, that, that hurts at all. But I've heard it said this, when a friendship is solid, they can handle more than just compliment. They can handle contention. See, real friends are willing to give the honest opinion, even if they think I'll like it or not. When I was just in college, I had a man who was a mentor to me, but he also was a, just a dear, dear friend as well my last couple of years of college. And then I went and was a youth pastor, and we remained very close friends. And one time I was in an event with youth, and 
I, uh, I said a half-truth on something. And I didn't tell the whole explanation. I just told part of it because it was a benefit to us financially not to tell the whole thing. It was interesting. He wasn't on the trip, but he found out about it. And he called me and he says, I'm going to ask you a question. He said, you have to make a determination in your life, Reed, if you're going to be a total person of truth or a total person of lie. Because a half-truth is a total lie. And you know when he said it, it stung. And it hurt, but you know what? I took it to heart. And I'm so glad he was honest with me because I remember it was 41 years ago. I still remember it. And I said, from that day on, I will always, always tell the truth on every aspect, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's one of the 1,000 reasons I love Pastor Keith. And he's such a dear friend to me because he's been very honest with me in many areas of my life that maybe I wasn't always willing to see at the moment, but I'm so glad he pointed out. Proverbs 27 says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted. That's a good word. Here's the second ingredient of real love. They're not just honest, but they're also helpful. They're what? They're helpful. How many of you ever played competitive sports or maybe you do even now? Did you ever play competitive sports in school at all? Okay, I, I played competitive sports, and in fact, in high school, I played football, basketball, all that kind of thing, and, and in my senior year, I formed a club called Athletes International. In order to be in the club, you had to have the raw natural ability to be a professional athlete, but because of poor coaching, you'd never get there. Okay, <laughs> would any of you be in my club? Yeah, exactly. You know, there, there's poor coaching, and there's great coaching, and here's, I think, one of the differences between them. Anybody can stand on the sideline and yell what you're doing wrong. A spectator can do that. But a great coach does this. It'll take you aside and say, listen, here's what's wrong, but here's how to do it better. And they'll instruct you on how to do it better. That is a great coach. And it's the same with great friends. Casual friends stay on the sideline and tell you what you're doing wrong. Real friends will come and say, hey, listen, let me help you. I want to help you be better. How many know that all of us have blind spots? We all have blind spots, and we need people to help us see those. But unfortunately, sometimes casual friends are silent. They don't want to say anything because, well, it might hurt. Listen to this quote by Dr. Martin Luther King. In the end, we will, not remember not we, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. That's really good, and it's really true. Man, let's not be a silent friend. Let's be honest, in love, and let's help people become better. Here's what Proverbs 27 says. As iron sharpens iron, friends shape friends. Ralph Waldo Emerson said it this way. A real friend makes me do what I can do. So real friends are honest. They're helpful. And here's the third characteristic. They're not hurtful. They're not hurtful. Or we might say it this way. They're safe. How many of you just are appreciative of friends that are safe? Man, Proverbs 11 says this, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Can I tell you this? I love my life group, my men's life group. I absolutely love with all my heart. Why? Because the men in my life group, I can say anything to them. They're not going to judge me. They're not going to condemn me. They're not going to correct me. They're not going to hold it against me, but they'll also keep it safe right there. Amen. And man, I need that in my life. We all need that, but we need to be that for other people as well. One of the surest ways to destroy a friendship a gossip. In fact, here's a rule. Never talk about a person who's not in the room unless it's positive. Here's Proverbs 17. A real friend loves at all times. Remember the person that kind of rebuked me, honestly, 41 years ago? I was just at his memorial service two weeks ago. 
And there were a number of men that honored him because he had spoken honestly and love into their life and it made them better in all ways. That's a good person. So the first characteristic, a real friend does what? They love. Here's the second characteristic, they're loyal. And I'm, Patrick Keith's going to talk about this, but I want to just say this, Keith, for you, that has been one of the great things that I have appreciated about you. Obviously, you've been, love me in all areas, but you've been incredibly loyal in every aspect. Whatever you say you're going to do, you do it. And in fact, I think it's interesting that if you take the first three letters of the word loyal, is your last name. I appreciate it. Here's what I fear. There were years ago that people were actually brand loyal. You don't see much of that today. I grew up when you knew men that were Chevy men. And I'll tell you what, even if the dealership would have gave them a brand new Ford, they'd have gotten rid of it and they'd have kept their old clunker Chevy. They were Chevy men. They were Ford men. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right, because people ask me, what do you drive? And I say, I drive something that runs, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I like it because I drive something that's paid for too. But here's what I fear. I fear in a day years ago when it came to tractors, you were either red or you were green. And I'm not saying it's wrong if you kind of waffle on that. I fear that that's now in relationships as well. When it comes to friendships, I want you to know that I, I want to be brand loyal. I want people to know they can count on. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Proverbs 17, a real friend is always what? Loyal. loyal. A real friend is always loyal. I grew up on the Lone Ranger in Tonto, and I remember watching these play out. And I remember one episode where they were surrounded by thousands of bad guys and the Lone Ranger turns to Tonto and says, old friend, it looks like we're in a mess of trouble. I love what Tonto said. He said, what do you mean we, pale face? You know, and, uh, and we all know that there are people, aren't there? When the going gets tough, they get going right out the door. But we like to call them foxhole friends. I want to make sure when I dig a hole, I dig it big enough for people who want to crawling it with me. Anybody can walk. That's just cheap talk. But loyalty, when you can count on people in thick and thin, oh, I'm telling you, that's the stuff that matters. Because you need to know this, and you might want to write this down, loyalty is never gray. It's black and it's white. You're either loyal or you're not. You cut it any way you want. I just say it this way. You can excuse it all you want. You can play what you don't know what they did to me and you don't know what that, and you can go down that road. But here's my question to you. Would you want Jesus to treat you the way you've treated people? Amen. And you know what you'd say? Well, he won't because he's loyal. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Loyalty is a big deal. I want people I can count on. I don't want friends who are fickle, even though my friend is, okay? All right. And uh, <laughs> I love saying that. We, we just, I love that. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 18, a real friend will be more loyal than a brother. A real friend. Loyalty is the litmus test of a real friend. In fact, I, I'll help you with this. If you want to see if someone's loyal, just make a mistake. 
and you'll find out real quickly. I will tell you this about my friend. He'll attach his reputation to mine. Even if my reputation for a moment was really bad. And I think he knows it goes both ways. I don't put an expectation on only to this, that I love Reed and I'm loyal to Reed. Just the way Jesus loves me and is loyal to me. Folks, everybody makes mistakes. People always disappoint, but the Bible says there's a friend who will be more loyal than a brother. I love that. Repeat this after me. Thick or thin? thin. They're always in. in. Amen. Amen. And amen? amen? And amen. Let me give you two characteristics real quickly, and we'll wrap this up. Two characteristics of loyalty. First of all, they're committed in the good and the bad. I just said that. They're committed in the good and the bad. It's easy to commit for better, for richer, for health, as long as we both shall live. It's very easy to do that. But real friends understand that real love is a coin with both sides. You can't have heads without the tails, and you can't have tails without the heads. It goes both ways. Psalm 15 says, Blessed is the man who keeps his word, who keeps his commitment, even when it hurts. Here's number two, loyalty. They're committed in the short term and the long term. Say it with me. They're committed in the short term and the long term. Real friends understand that real friendships require time. And that's over the long haul. Proverbs 19 says, people want others to be loyal. The word here is people want others to know that they can count on them in the long haul. Reed, I want to invite you up here if you would. Just come up and sit on my right here. And we'll wrap up with this and, and then we'll have a word of prayer. But I want to go back to what I opened with with Chuck Swindoll because he put some real skin on it. Go ahead and grab your stool and jump up here with me, champ. But he puts a little skin on it, and here's what he says. Remember when he talked about the neighborhood bar? If you read the article, here's what he adds. He says, an old Marine buddy came to know Christ after he was discharged. But let me tell you about him. Before he became a Christian, he was one of those, well, you know what I'm talking about. Cursed a lot, got into fights, chased women, drank heavily, and hated the church. But he came to know Jesus. Well, I ran into him a few months ago. We talked a little while, and then he put his hand on my shoulder, and here's what he said to me. You know, Chuck, the only thing I still miss from my prior life of sin is my old fellowship and friendships I used to have. You know, all the guys down at the bar I used to hang around, I haven't found anybody like that in the church. Today, I have no place to admit my faults and talk about my battles without someone frowning on me or preaching at me. I think that's true for a lot of people in this country right now. Imagine if we could be fully known and fully accepted. If we could come in and say, man, I'm really struggling with this. And you know what people would do? They'd come over and say, listen, I struggle with things too. Can I pray with you? Can you pray with me? I don't know if you've seen the movie 
It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. My wife and I, on Tuesday, were flown out to Pittsburgh where they filmed all of the, the, at the, or, uh, the beautiful day in the neighborhood with, with Mr. Rogers. And we got to be on the actual original set to be, be a part of some of that. And Sony Pictures, because of all that Celebrate's done, said we'd like to fly and take care of and have you and your wife out for the big premiere of the movie. And so we were privileged to set in a theater, and it was in multiple theaters, but we were in the theater with, with Fred's wife and all of the actors and all of the former people who were on the set. Here's what I was amazed at. I was amazed at the life that Fred Rogers lived, that my wife, if you've seen Mr. Rogers, you might remember picture, picture. Well, my wife was sitting next to the guy who produced every one of those over 40-some years. Next to me was one of his closest friends. Just a few rows down was Mr. McFeely. And then right behind him, just up a few rows even closer to us, was Handyman Newell. And the original, and we sit and talked with him. What was amazing to me was the life that Fred Rogers lived in a real understanding of friendship. In fact, I will agree with this. Mr. Rogers is probably the number one best film that America needs to see about what it means to be a godly man and what it means to be a friend. Because in the movie, there's a drunk man who's dying. Swallowed his entire life and you learn about his story. It's played by the legendary Chris Cooper. It's an actual scene that actually was real. That Mr. Rogers went to see him and when he got ready to leave, he leans into his ear and talks a little bit. And when he's walking out of the house, the man's son says, what did you say to my dad? And he said, I asked him to pray for me. I figured that someone who's going through as much as he's going through is really close to God. And Mr. Rogers had the ability to see always the best in people, even in their most lowest, ugliest times in their lives. We could learn a lot. And I think our neighborhoods become a little bit, little bit more beautiful. You need to see the movie. But Reed and I thought we'd close with this. And so, Reed, I'll ask you the first question is, how has our friendship with each other made each of us better? How would you answer that? Well, I'd say this, that I was, uh, I was a mile wide and a few inches deep in relationships. And the fact that I didn't, want, uh, I didn't allow people to get close to me I could hold them off at a distance because uh, of personality, because of just a lot of wounds and hurts and things in my life. And uh, I think your honesty and your challenging me of why do you do that? Why do you, and you kept challenging me to find out the real reason to where then I finally realized, you know, I'm loved just the way I am. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to be when the approval of other people that I can do that freed me up to allow myself to have a lot much deeper relationships with people allow them to come in. And you were the one who allowed me to do that. And so because of that, I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband, I'm a better person in every area of my life. Wow. I'm humbled that you'd share that here. And uh, I'll let you reciprocate and you get to ask me a question. What do you think our relationship, because it's uh, unusual, I don't think anybody, anybody realizes how much we laugh. <laughs> I mean, we, we laugh a lot. And we have a really good time, not just us, but a lot of the team has a great time. But also, we're both obviously very, very focused. We're very driven, very intentional, because this is life and death, eternally for people. 
We understand that. But our relationship and our friendship, what do you think that that's done to the church? And how does that impact the church? I don't know if I'd be sitting here if you weren't in my life. I think you're, you have seen me fumble the ball multiple times. You have, um, I know there's been great successes and things and you've been a great word of encouragement, but you have allowed me in my transparency because I think out loud and you've allowed me a place where I can do that. And I don't think I've ever felt that you've judged me and you've stayed with me. Um, when, when people have shot this direction, I've, I've always known that I can look over and you're in the foxhole. And I don't, I don't know if I would be here if I didn't have that. I think it's significant to this church. You know, I think you've modeled what it really means that I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Good, bad, indifferent, I'm in. So thank you for that. Let me pray for you. Father, I hope that this series has been so meaningful to so many. And God is, uh, we just now get ready to, if you will, part ways physically. Lord, I just pray for each one here in their marriage, among coworkers, people that they call friend. As the old adage goes, that instead of going to look for a friend, I'm going to choose to go be that friend. That God, I'm going to model these two characteristics. I'm going to love. If I'm going to say the truth, I want it to be helpful, not hurtful. <coughs> and I'm going to be loyal. And we say thanks in Jesus' name. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.